So hi and welcome to my digital leadership interview. Today I'm here with Linda Chandler from Microsoft and she works in a team helping cities to develop their technology infrastructure. So she's the managing architect for the city team. How are you? I'm good Sophie, how are you doing today? Yeah, I'm really, really good. It's good. Um, so if you just sort of explain to me, what is it your job involve as an architect? So I work in um, Microsoft services, um, so we consult with our customers about um, the future of cities, actually. So how you get the most from uh, a technology platform when you're designing and preparing for the future of your city. Mm, okay, future of the city. Uh, can you just explain that a little bit more, what you mean with that future, future cities? Yeah, I think um, there's a lot of talk out there about smart cities, connected cities, future cities. It's a very confusing landscape and lots of different companies will use different catchphrases and different words. Mm. I think the um, when we've approached it as, as Microsoft, actually, we've started to look at the very people-focused elements. So it's not so much about the technology, it's actually about really looking about uh, economic development and the sustainable future of cities. Uh, and technology has a role to play in that, but it's not it's not the only uh, dynamic that you need to look at and the dimension of, of a city. Mm. Yeah, okay, cool. So well, I'm based in London, you're not based far from here. If we take London as an example, as a historic design, you know, in the way they historically designed the cities, um, can we sort of measure success of a city, the way they approach design and include people and technology? Yeah, I think that's a, a really interesting question, actually. Um, I think what we found is that in the technology world, we think we've been talking about smart cities for ages. You know, um, I, IBM have obviously, um, you know, made a lot of inroads in there and Cisco. And, and again, technology companies are getting closer now to uh, kind of architectural um, companies and, and about master planning and design. But when you look uh, historically at cities, cities have been being built for centuries. Um, and when you think about cities, a city like London in that context, actually technology is a real, really new player uh, in this scenario. So I think we're now starting to um, see that, that smart cities is, um, is important, but I don't think we've really started to embrace how that comes together under an urban architecture banner. Um, but again, we're on the journey to doing that, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so much going on. I was. It's just sort of spring to mind. I'm thinking about Starbucks. I'm going to work in Starbucks later today. Uh, I'm going to sit there with my computer and work for a few hours. And it's also another thing springs to mind is when I was on the bus from Billund Airport in Denmark to my way to Aarhus and it's a trip for two two hours. I had the internet all the way. Absolutely, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And connectivity um, is becoming really, really important in cities and has been on the agenda for a while. Um, and I think it's uh, it's about seeing connectivity as that enabler. So you're taking it for, you know, you're taking it for granted that there's there's great Wi-Fi on the bus, that you can be connected, that you can move between, you know, Starbucks and, and the bus um, and maintain that connectivity. And that's that really um, it's the necessary but not sufficient layer to actually showing um, how technology can really enable you know citizens to be productive and um, the whole Starbucks uh, I'm working anywhere theme is a, an area that we've been exploring over the past couple of years under the banner of uh, anywhere working cities 
Um, and uh, more and more, I think, as you, you go in co- coffee shops across a, you know, a capital city like London, mm. you'll see people you know, with their laptops quite obviously working. Mm. Um, we think that's, uh, that's one type of space where people can work. Um, but very often, you know, the business model of, of coffee shops isn't necessarily to have you there for four hours stringing out one cup of coffee and using the, the free Wi-Fi. So there are many other different models of working anywhere that are starting to emerge. Um, so this concept of the third space, which is, um, you know, it's not working at home, it's not working in your base office, but it's somewhere in between, is gaining quite a lot of traction. Um, and we think, you know, Starbucks is one example of a third space. There are there are many others, like um, I'm a Regis card holder, for example, so I can go into any Regis business lounge. So if I'm near a Regis business lounge, you know, that's kind of where I, I, I tend to kind of, um, you know, go for that one hour call that I need to do. Um, but we're discovering all the time, you know, new new ways and new business models. There's a small company called Neardesk um, who I, um, I, I met the other week. And again, they've got a concept of, um, you know, being that kind of broker of, um, you know, anywhere working across lots of different types of of, um, uh, you know, kind of independent um, office uh, outlets. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think there are just new business models emerging in terms of, you know, how society will actually change. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the idea of, the, you know, there isn't the polar word of, of working at home and working in the office. There's actually working everywhere in between. Yeah, we're working a lot today, aren't we? We are always yeah. connected. <laughs> yes, yeah, work is an activity and not a destination, I think, and that's a really key theme. In I just want to be able to work, you know, when I've got 10 minutes to spare and I'm on the bus, I just it makes need... It easier because then you're better prepared the next day, aren't you? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and you can make use of all that kind of time in between, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And one thing that, one thing that springs to mind is about, like, is it a sign of a city, like a city that takes their citizens' issues seriously. And if you would look at their investments in technology and making the infrastructure work for them, could that be a sign about how much they care? That's that's an interesting one. I think um, there is a maturity, definitely, that cities go through in recognising how important these things are. Um, and I think connectivity is one of the first signs of, of that maturity. Um, but actually... As I said, it's a necessary, great connectivity is a necessary but not sufficient condition Mm. to actually building on that. So it's very difficult to point to the economic benefits of having a connected city because it's about what you do with that connectivity that's important. So, for example... We're working um, with Kent County Council um, around, um, you know, some of their kind of broadband stimulation programs. So they're a, they're a county that's recognised that connectivity is hugely important, um, but also they've recognised that it's not the only step. So how do you how do you get people to then utilise that capacity that they're building in? How do you get small businesses to get more online and get more connected? How do you get homes that wouldn't necessarily just um, naturally take up great connectivity through um, you know kind of streaming movies or something like that? But how do you get those homes that are perhaps hard to reach and don't see the benefits? Mm-hmm. So for example, we're working um, with them on uh, the topic of assisted living. So this is about um, how do you deal with an aging population which is is costing uh, the taxpayer a huge amount of money um, 
the, the benefits of people living in, in their own home for longer um, are, are, are visible for the citizen, and they're also visible in terms of uh, you know managing that kind of budget. Mm. Um, so how does the connected home help people to live a fuller, more connected life um, and being kind of looked after in this kind of internet of things and, uh, and, and connected care environment? So that's um, something that we're starting to pilot now. Mm. Um, real citizen and real um, budget benefits as well yeah of course yeah so that's for older citizens and then for younger citizens i know it's quite many families that have a big fight about the broadband at home if someone is using too much too much of it so keep the family peace it's good to have a good connectivity and i think it's also good for future house prices you know an area which haven't invested in their broadband or like their connectivity it's going to be quite sort of yeah it's going to be expensive to invest there in the future is that true I think it's interesting. I, I was reading in the Evening Standard the other day about the effect of um, connectivity on house prices, um, mm -hmm. and now that it's actually starting to become um, a, a key talking point in terms of estate agents. Um, so anecdotally, I was I was talking to a colleague of mine the other day who was saying, yes, you know, he, he knows somebody who's moving who's actually mapping out where they can get great um, connectivity, and then within that area so it, it's an interesting dynamic i think about how we're, we're prioritizing um you know good connectivity as as much as kind of locations and schools um in, in that mix of things uh, i think it's i think once you started to live that digital lifestyle it's actually very difficult to go back from that it is it is it is I just been on holiday where we didn't have hardly any connectivity. It was a bit frustrated when it was something you really had to do. I was fine, you know, when I was not having anything to do. But you know, sometimes I got a bit stressed. <laughs> um, yeah. So I we earlier we spoke about Barcelona before we started started the interview. How is the leadership set up for the for the city? How 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 does the mayor of the city and the politicians work together with the technology leaders? So Barcelona prides itself on on being a smart city and a future city. Um, and uh, and I've had interactions with Barcelona through something called the City Protocol Society, which is um, trying to bring together a collaboration of, of cities um, uh, to work on different topics. Um, and my observations are that Barcelona, um, for one, the leadership really get being a, a future and smart cities and, and the kind of technology component of that. But they're also really visibly set up um, for that to be taken very seriously. So um, the, the, the chief information officer for Barcelona is the chief information officer for the city itself. So that's for the internal system and for the external digital landscape. And he works hand in hand with the chief urban architect of the city. Um, and so they're very well aligned. Um, contrast that kind of model um, which is very popular in Europe to something that we have um, kind of in the UK where when you interact with a chief information officer from a city or city council they tend to have a responsibility for the internal systems um, and there seems to be a different function that's been set up around um, you know the, the digital infrastructure aspects of a city that tends to sit in something like a, a regeneration or sustainability um, so very often we're finding that you're having, you know, a two or three way conversation where um, it, it's much better if you're having a conversation about the whole city. Yeah, yeah. It, obviously, it's going to include more people then, not just sort of certain surfaces and certain touch points. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So if we look at like a lo London, London as a city, how long has it been around? <laughs> Many years. <laughs> 
and now in the last how how long time have we been developing the technology in the last say when did we start to have cars in europe like 100 years ago um and seriously started to develop the infrastructure for cars now we are seriously developing the infrastructure for technology around us um what are what are like the challenges for a city like london I, th I think it's interesting um, and, and twofold. There's um, there's this contrast between um, established cities and new cities that, that's very stark. Yeah. So I, I reference the point in which um, you know we're we're kind of up, you know the technology with a new kid on the block in in urban architecture, yeah. and I think what's really worked in new cities is the fact that. In the the urban master plan, technology is taken very very seriously, and and it, it's in the plumbing stage of of the city, if you like. Where where you look at a city like London, and and you're retrofitting all the time. So I think there's that one level of connectivity issues, and um, you've got the luxury with with a, a, a new build city that you can you know build it in from the baseline up. You haven't got that luxury in London, and. But I think the other important thing is that technology and connectivity technology is evolving all the time. So I don't think that's necessarily um, a, a stumbling block for cities like London because um, you don't have to necessarily kind of bake that in because there's technologies like TV white space, for example, which is an emerging technology around how to um, use the unused parts of the TV spectrum to deliver con connectivity. And we've been piloting that as part of an Ofcom project in the UK, uh, but we've also been piloting it in places like Singapore and Africa in, in ultra-rural areas. Um, so I think that there's, a, there's a, a policy question about how quickly can we actually start to um, uh, you know, have those policy statements which allow us to use that new technology. Um, London is a case in point in terms of uh, the, the airport um, uh, conversation is very prevalent in London at the moment, of course. Um, yeah. And my observation is that when you talk about big infrastructure activity like building a new airport or a new train station, if we um, start to uh, push those out because of policy decisions or political decisions, then the, the economic benefits of those uh, infrastructural developments actually kind of just get delayed, if you like. Um, when you start to push out decisions about technology, technology doesn't wait. Technology leapfrogs. Um, so the, the danger is you're starting to really, um, really put in uh, technology projects that actually by the time you've, uh, you know, you've got them through, you've got funded, and you start to implement, the technology could be out of date because it leapfrogs. So I think that that's the difference between seeing technology as an infrastructure piece versus more traditional infrastructure pieces. With development, I like that technology leapfrog. It's a good expression. Yeah, I might do a quote for, quote of that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. No, but yeah. if you then, if you would just give like some leadership tips for any person leading, uh, well, any any leader for a city, what what would that be? Any kind of leadership tips for technology? So, yes, if I would be so bold as to make any recommendations, um, I think it's, for me, it's about focusing on, on the people. Um, mm -hmm. As a technologist, when we've been talking to various cities and regions about how they view future set cities and future technology in those cities, do you know, it's less about the flying hoverboard, you know, the, the gizmos of the future. Actually, it comes down to fairly basic human needs. It comes down to uh, quality of life. Um, great job prospects, 
um, uh, health, education, you know, for, for children. And um, it's all of those things which have probably been fairly consistent in kind of human needs, again, for centuries, and, and a lot of the reason why people kind of move and gravitate towards cities. Um, probably guilty of in the past is actually trying to look at cities through the, the new lens of technology. So in the 20s and the 30s, of course, you know, the new technology was, was the motor car. And we started to design cities around that technology of the time. And, 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 and of course, now we see, you know, some cities that have been wholly designed around that and, and, and kind of not functional in, in the new kind of world. Mm. I think the danger is that we start to put technology in the center of the design of our cities. So we start to look at the connectivity. We start to look at the data hearing a lot of cities about or we'll put our data in in the center of what we're trying to do but actually technology and data is just an enabler so don't put it in the center don't design your city around the technology of the time because that will change put put it to the edge as an enabler and put the person in the middle um, and then i think we'll get a much better result overall for the future sustainability of our cities enabled by technology yeah yeah, oh, it's very interesting. It's very, very interesting. Very important things here because this is our future. You know, this next generation that's going to live with all those investments that are done now. Absolutely, yes, yeah. And as a technologist, <clears throat> I, I often think of um, what's our um, intergenerational legacy that we're leaving, leaving um, for, for that future generation. I mean, London's a perfect example. Um, you know, we've had 150 years of, of the, the tube system. There's a clear intergenerational legacy that was left for us by the Victorians, which actually London is now building on. Um, again, the, the sewer system, again, uh, you know, Victorian construction, again, now being revamped in terms of making that fit for purpose for future generations. Mm -hmm. So what's the technology legacy that we leave behind actually um, in this century that will enable um, kind of uh, life in the 22nd century yeah yeah okay yeah. so and yes a final thought here like I'm I don't think there are any like that famous examples that didn't work at all but how can people how can how can organizations and cities learn from each other is there any way for them to enable better learning by working together or looking at examples Absolutely. I think I think it's very dangerous territory to point to, to things that, that clearly didn't work. Um, I think cities and regions are listed with examples of good and bad, I think. Um, what What's getting better and what's um, a, a challenge but an opportunity at the same time is that a good deal of collaboration that's now happen, happening around cities. Um, cities, but also it's about, in the private sector, it's about people coming together. It's about technology companies coming together, you know. A city can't be in the position where they need, they, they're having to align to a certain brand of technology. I think all the big technology companies and lots of small technology companies have something to offer. We have to learn to work in partnership. We have to learn to work alongside our competitors to do what's best for the city, for the best citizen outcomes. Um, so I think it's that, that collaboration element that's um, becoming stronger and stronger. Um, and not just about uh, public sector. We're not just seeing cities as public sector. Cities are a melting pot where many different industries are starting to come together. And I think um, you know, what technology now starts to enable are different business models in a city. So I think sometimes um, 
think people who we, we would think of as our customers are perhaps now our partners in a different scenario. So how does technology and those big technology drivers around connectivity, mobility, big data, um, cloud, how do they all come together to actually disrupt um, you know, the, the world of public sector, but to deliver better outcomes for the citizen? I think it's a, a huge opportunity, but a huge challenge at the same time. It's quite complex. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. Very interesting discussions. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, final thought. Um, it's this one about intergenerational legacy. I would say that anybody working around smart cities, we, we can't just let technology be transient. We have to think about laying those future foundations on which we're building and we're not constantly tearing down. Um, so what are, what are the foundational elements for technology that we, we would leave with any city? Yeah, well, thank you so much. It's been good talking to you. It's good information. I think many, many people who are city planners, they should listen to this and learn from, learn from examples and collaboration, partnership, working together. Don't make things too complex. That, yeah. I think, that is like a thing that I felt when I worked with technology in the past. It's like, God, one million different contracts before we can even start working together. It takes too much time and too much effort. Too many lawyers, too many, <laughs> too many hours just reading what's going on work together for a better better future of the cities well thank you so much and um, yeah thank you pleasure thanks